Hello everyone, welcome to the September 11th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our top stories. The Court of Appeal denied a Longshore Harbor worker benefit for a worker who was injured at a Long Beach Yacht Club. In this case, the Alamitos Bay Yacht Club in Long Beach hired Brian Ranger as a maintenance worker. He helped the club with its fleet by painting, cleaning, maintaining, repairing, unloading, and mooring vessels. One day, Mr. Ranger used a hoist to lower a club boat into navigable waters, and as he stepped from the dock onto its bow, he fell and applied for workers' compensation benefits. But then he sued the club in state court on federal claims under the Longshore and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act. The trial court sustained the club's demur to the second amended complaint and ruled that there was no admiralty jurisdiction. The California Court of Appeal affirmed the trial court decision in the published case of Ranger v. Alamitos Bay Yacht Club. They said that Congress enacted the Longshoremen's and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act back on March 4, 1927, which established a workers' compensation program for any person engaged in maritime employment. Then the 1972 amendments to the Act extended the coverage of the Longshore Act, but created uncertainty about the boundaries of that extension. Congress later learned that the 1972 amendments had created general confusion as to whether or not the Longshore Act applies in various situations, and the rules of coverage became a prolific generator of litigation. So in 1984, Congress sharpened the Longshore Act's focus to exclude employees who, although they happened to work on or next to navigable waters, lacked a sufficient nexus to maritime navigation and commerce. The 1984 statute thus carved out specific employee categories and placed them beyond the coverage of the Longshore Act and assigned these employees to the appropriate state workers' compensation laws and among the carve-outs were employees working for clubs. In this case, the injured worker conceded that his employment is at a club, but then he asserts that federal law preempts state law in this case by repeatedly stressing the importance of uniformity of the general maritime law. And in this quest, the injured worker relies on a 1998 case known as Green v. Vermilion Corporation. The Court of Appeal said, however, it respectfully but profoundly differed with the holding of the Green decision and also parted ways with subsequent cases which relied on Green. In sum, it said California's workers' compensation law is the injured worker's exclusive remedy in this case because the 1984 Congress changes decreed this state law applied aptly covered his situation, and the trial court correctly dismissed Mr. Ranger's tort suit against his employer. 
and a WCAB panel decision reviewed and clarified the case authority for rescinding a stipulated award between the parties for an error. In this case, Carl Aaron filed three applications for adjudication of claim for injuries he allegedly had while he was employed by the Hesperia Unified School District. The work comp judge approved a stipulated settlement agreement of these claims and an award was issued based on their stipulation, which was signed and filed by both parties. But the employer subsequently filed a petition for reconsideration of this award based upon the contention that the award should be rescinded because it was based on a commutation calculation that was incorrect and both parties relied on the erroneous calculations. The, work comp, uh, the WCAB dismissed the petition as premature, but also returned the matter to the trial level for consideration of the petition as one to set aside the award in the panel decision of Aaron versus Hesperia Unified School District. And along the way, the WCAB panel set forth a review of the law on the grounds for setting aside a stipulation of a party after an award has been issued. It pointed out that Labor Code Section 5803 gives the Appeals Board continuing jurisdiction over all its orders, decisions, and awards at any time, upon notice, and after the opportunity to be heard is given to the parties in interest. At that point, the Appeals Board may rescind, alter, or amend any order, decision, or award for good cause. And contract of principles apply to settlements of workers' compensation disputes, the legal principles governing compromise and release agreements, and by extension, stipulations with requests for an award, are the same as those governing any other contract. Stipulations between the parties must be interpreted to give effect to the mutual intention of the parties at the time of contracting, so far as the same is ascertainable and lawful. A stipulation is an agreement between opposing counsel ordinarily entered into for the purpose of avoiding delay, trouble, or expense in the conduct of an action. Good cause to set aside an order or stipulation depends upon the facts and circumstances of each case. And good cause includes mutual mistake of fact, duress, fraud, undue influence, and procedural irregularities. Moreover, the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board shall inquire into the adequacy of all compromise and release agreements and stipulations with request for an award and may set the matter for hearing to take evidence when necessary to determine whether the agreement should be approved or disapproved or issue findings and awards. It said that all parties in workers' compensation proceedings retain their fundamental right to due process and a fair hearing under both the California and United States constitutions. Accordingly, the WCAB returned this case to the work comp judge for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. And now our crime report. The California Attorney General, in partnership with six district attorneys, announced a settlement with Kaiser Foundation Health Plan and 
Kaiser Foundation Hospitals resolving allegations that the healthcare provider unlawfully disposed of hazardous waste, medical waste, and protected health information at Kaiser facilities statewide. Here, Kaiser agreed to pay a total of $49 million and is required to take significant steps to prevent future unlawful disposals. Kaiser is headquartered in Oakland, California, and operates over 700 facilities statewide, making it the largest healthcare provider in California. Kaiser provides healthcare to approximately 8.8 million Californians, as well as members of the public who seek emergency care from Kaiser facilities. The settlement is the result of undercover inspections conducted by the district attorney's offices of dumpsters from 16 different Kaiser facilities, which contain materials destined for disposal at publicly accessible landfills. And the investigation found hundreds of items of hazardous and medical waste, such as aerosols, cleansers, sanitizers, batteries, electronic waste, syringes, medical tubing with body fluids, and pharmaceuticals and over 10,000 paper records containing the information of over 7,700 patients. The California Department of Justice subsequently joined the district attorneys and expanded the investigation of Kaiser's disposal practices throughout the state. In response to this joint enforcement investigation, Kaiser immediately hired a third-party consultant and conducted over 1,100 trash audits at its facilities in an effort to improve its compliance. Kaiser's unlawful disposals are alleged to have violated California's hazardous waste control law, Medical Waste Management Act, Confidentiality of Medical Information Act, Consumer Records Law, and Unfair Competition Law. The disposals are also alleged to have violated the Federal Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, known as HIPAA. And in regulatory news, a new California law strengthens prohibitions against employee non-competition clauses. Historically, common law allowed contractual restraints on lawful business practices so long as they were reasonable. However, back in 1872, California opted to impose stricter limitations on such contractual restraints in favor of policy that would support competition in trade. This decision ultimately resulted in the enactment of Business and Professions Code 16600, which provides that every contract by which anyone is restrained from engaging in a lawful profession trade, or business of any kind is to that effect and extent void. Subsequently, there have been extensive case law on this prohibition, but one case in particular has cemented the prohibition on non-compete clauses in California, the 2008 California Supreme Court decision in Edwards v. Arthur Anderson, LLP when it held that non-competition agreements are invalid under Section 16,600 in California, even if narrowly drawn, unless they fall within the applicable statutory exceptions. 
Moving on now to September 1st, 2023, Governor Gavin Newsom just signed SB 699, a new law that strengthens existing California law that voids contracts, which restrain anyone from engaging in lawful professions, trades, or businesses of any kind in four ways. First, it strengthens California's restraint of trade prohibitions by making it clear that any contract that is void under California's restraint of trade law is unenforceable regardless of where and when the contract was signed. Second, The new law prohibits an employer or former employer from attempting to enforce a contract that is void under California's restraint of trade law. Third, the new law prohibits an employer from entering into a contract with an employee or prospective employee that includes a provision that is void under restraint of trade law. And fourth, the new law provides that an employer who enters into a contract that is void under California Restraint of Trade Law or attempts to enforce a contract that is void under California Restraint of Trade Law commits a civil violation. And the law, which takes effect on January 1, 2014, provides robust mechanisms for the enforcement of these provisions, including recovery of reasonable attorney fees and costs. The California Employment Lawyers Association was in support of SB 699 as it explained that although non-compete clauses have been unlawful in California since 1872, its attorneys routinely see these clauses included in employment agreements with California employees. And dozens of law professors from law schools across the nation also provided a letter of joint support for the bill and there was no report of any opposition to the passage of SB 699. And a new ballot measure is in the pipeline, which, if approved by voters, will make a $36 billion managed care organization tax permanent. It is sponsored by the Coalition to Protect Access to Care. What political reports as an amalgam of moneyed health care interests that include representatives for doctors, hospitals, health plans, and other key players. The coalition has until next March or April to collect about a half million signatures to qualify this for the November ballot. This same coalition secured a $36 billion tax deal with California politicians this June to pump more money into Medi-Cal, a deal that followed months of private negotiations between bitter industry rivals, state lawmakers, and the governor's office. And they now want to make it harder for future administrations to spend that revenue elsewhere. This battle surrounds the California Managed Care Organization, that's MCO, tax. An MCO provider tax is a federally allowable Medicaid funding mechanism whereby a tax is imposed by states on health care services, where the burden of the tax falls mostly on providers, such as a tax on managed care plans per members served. And these provider taxes 
have become an integral source of financing for Medicaid nationwide. In California, the MCO tax has existed for nearly 20 years and been enacted by both Democratic and Republican governors. But the last three times California levied this tax on health plans, it used the money to balance the budget during economic downturns. But after the coalition entered the negotiations earlier this year, and for the first time, much of the revenue stayed in the healthcare system, especially in Medi-Cal, in a year when the state face faces a $32 billion budget deficit. The ballot initiative sets out a spending plan that fairly closely follows the priorities it laid out in June's iteration of the tax, which expires now in 2026. The ballot measure would make the negotiated MCO tax, which will now otherwise expire in 2026, permanent. And any future changes would have to be approved by voters, making it harder for the state of California to update how it spends this revenue. Along the way, CMS has indicated they will be issuing new MCO tax guidelines that will be more restrictive no later than 2026. And in medical news, a UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center researcher has received a $1.9 million California Climate Action Grant to lead a study into the cancer risks facing firefighters as they battle wildfires. The grant is funded through a partnership between the University of California and the State of California, which awarded over $80 million in research grants to help put solutions in place that directly address state climate priorities, and a total of four UC Davis Climate Action Grants were awarded. Dr. Shanaz Hussein's research, Exposure Assessment, health monitoring, and cancer control in wildlife, wildland firefighters will examine the main carcinogens and cancer risk factors for firefighters. Cancer is the leading cause of death among firefighters, and Dr. Hussein said the research will identify areas where equipment, technology, protocols, education, programs, and policy can be developed or amended to reduce exposures to carcinogens, mitigate cancer risk, and improve early detection of cancer in California firefighters. One aim of this research is to capture and test carcinogenic chemicals and other compounds found in wildfire emissions. The team will also study a large group of firefighters to identify biomarkers and occupational and behavior cancer risk factors that could be reduced in the future. Another objective is to produce stories about California firefighters dealing with cancer, and researchers plan to evaluate the ability of this peer-to-peer storytelling to enhance best practices for cancer prevention in firefighters. Dr. Hussein will lead a team of biochemical, engineering, microbiology, environmental, and occupational scientists on this research initiative. 
The California Climate Action Seed Grants and Matching Grants will fund 38 projects that collectively involve more than 130 community, industry, tribal, and public agencies, as well as 12 University of California locations, 11 California State University campuses, and two private universities. These seed grants were awarded to 34 teams totaling $56.2 million. The Federal Trade Commission reached a proposed consent order with Amgen to address, address the potential competitive harm that would result from Amgen's proposed $27.8 billion acquisition of Horizon Therapeutics, PLC. As part of this nationwide settlement, the FTC, an attorney's general from six states, including California, will also dismiss the related federal court preliminary injunction litigation. The California Attorney General also announced his agreement with this settlement, characterized as a groundbreaking settlement with Amgen, one of the world's largest biopharmaceutical uh, drug companies, and he said the lawsuit was also the FTC's first ever challenge of a pharmaceutical merger. A number of consumer protections have been bundled under this proposed order. The proposed consent order resolves the FTC and the state charges that Amgen's acquisition of Horizon is anti-competitive, as the deal would enable Amgen to leverage its large portfolio of blockbuster drugs to pressure insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers into favoring Horizon's two monopoly products. And in other industry news, Terry Smith, a recently retired workers' compensation judge, has returned to the law firm of Floyd Skarin, Manukian Langevin as a partner in its complex litigation unit. He will also be assisting retired workers' compensation judge David O'Brien maintain and edit his and the firm's treaties, California Workers' Compensation Claims and Benefits Online Edition and with other special projects. Judge Smith is a certified specialist in California workers' compensation law and has defended insurance carriers, private employers, public agencies, self-insured employers, administrators, school districts, and transit authorities. Judge Smith has served as a deputy sheriff for the County of Ventura and has worked for the Ventura District Attorney's Office. He then began his workers' compensation career 30 years ago as an adjuster and then as an attorney working at a national insurance carrier specializing in special investigation unit, that's SIU unit, cases. He has lectured to insurance companies, claims units, and employers in association with the Employers Fraud Task Force in the Los Angeles County, San Bernardino County, Orange County and Riverside County District Attorney Offices. Judge Smith has also lectured to the International Association of Special Investigation Units and the Southern California Fraud Investigators Association. After serving as a workers' compensation judge at the Marina del Rey Board, he has now decided to return to his prior home with Floyd Scarron at its Westlake Village office, where he was formerly a partner and manager of the attorneys in that office. 
His colleagues at that facility and in other firm offices across the state are very excited to learn of his return to his former group. He spent 17 years as a defense lawyer with the firm before being recruited as a workers' compensation judge by the WCAB. Judge Smith said he was very pleased to return to the group of colleagues he has known and worked with for many years and to work with the firm's clients, many of which he has worked with over the years in the capacity as their defense lawyer. In addition to his work with Floyd Skern, he enjoys traveling and vacationing with his wife of 30 years. And on weekends, he enjoys riding his Harley-Davidson Street Glide Special with the local Harvey Owners Group, HOG, and the local Blue Knights International Law Enforcement Motorcycle Club, a nonprofit fraternal organization consisting of active and retired law enforcement officers who enjoy riding motorcycles. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Skarin, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.